Howdy folks, Josh King here. Welcome to Podcast Talks, where we look to an old book to help us live as new men. Podcast Talks is a ministry both of and for Meridian Church. If that ain't you, stick around, be our guest. Today's reading comes from the pen of Ralph Venning, a Puritan minister born in 1622. He was a popular preacher and writer in his day, but was ejected from his position for nonconformity, which is to say that he wanted to see, as a Puritan, the Church of England further reformed, and whenever the standards, the the rites and the forms that were being forced on them from the hierarchy uh, came down, he refused to conform. He was ejected from his position. He then served the latter years of his ministry as a co-pastor alongside Robert Bragg in an independent congregation, one that wasn't part of the Church of England. He would die in his 50s in 1974. The title that I'll be reading from today is known to us now as The Sinfulness of Sin. But it was originally titled Sin, the Plague of Plagues, or just known as The Plague of Plagues. It was published only four years after the Great Plague of London, which killed around 15% of the city's population. Reported deaths were in just shy of 70,000. It's estimated that the actual death toll was somewhere around 100,000. And in this vein of, of thought, then Vinning's title alone is good medicine for us. Ours is an age skilled in putting pretty names on ugly things. We use euphemisms and politically correct terminology for sins. We fear a viral epidemic more than the spiritual condemnation and contamination that we're all born with. We fear temporal pain more than eternal torment. Alongside John Owen, I've found no other author who has helped pull the attractive disguise off of sin and show me the hideous hag lying underneath than Ralph Venning and this work. I'll be reading from the Puritan paperback edition published by Banner of Truth, pages 31 and 32. As God is holy, all holy, only holy, altogether holy, and always holy, so sin is sinful, all sinful, only sinful, altogether sinful, and always sinful. In my flesh that is in my sinful, corrupt nature, there dwelleth no good thing. As in God there is no evil, so in sin there is no good. God is the chiefest of goods, and sin is the chiefest of evils. 
As no good can be compared with God, for goodness so no evil can be compared with sin for evil. He goes on on the next page to say, In short, sin is the dare of God's justice, the rape of His mercy, the jeer of His patience, the slight of His power, the contempt of His love, as one writer, and he's quoting Bunyan there, as one writer prettily expresses this ugly thing. We may go on and say it is the upbraiding of His providence, the scoff of His promise, the reproach of His wisdom, And as is said of the man of sin who is made up of sin, it opposes and exalts itself above all that is called God and above all that God is called, so that it, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing itself as if it were God. So in his effort to show us the sinfulness of sin, Binning opens his work by unfolding how sin is opposed to God. He writes, the sinfulness of sin appears, uh, not only appears from, but consists in this. It appears not only from, but consists in this, that it is contrary to God. So inherent then, you see, in the battle against sin is seeing the glory, the beauty, the holiness of the Lord. You you won't really sense sin's sinfulness until you sense God's holiness. I think the reason then that I've always found these two paragraphs from Vinning especially potent in the fight against sin is because he frames it from the beginning in this way. He he goes on to demonstrate how sin is contrary to man, but he builds upon this foundation. Sin being contrary to man is secondary. Foundationally, the reason why sin is contrary to man is because it's contrary to God. Sin stands against God and all that God is. And this means that sin not only evokes God's wrath and anger, But it always promises Rachel and delivers Leah. God is the God of all beauty, all truth, all goodness. So sin may promise these things, but it's always a trick. It never delivers. It's always an empty, hollow shell. Sin, in perverting the good, empties it of all good. In perverting the truth, empties it of truth. In perverting beauty, it empties it of beauty so that there's nothing but a shell there. Whenever she, she presents beauty, goodness, and truth, she's providing exactly the opposite. Instead of truth to stand on, there's a lie to fall into. Instead of the good, there's the bad. Instead of beauty, there's ugliness. Instead of light, there's darkness. Instead of life, there is death. So unless you've tasted and seen, then, that the Lord is good, your fight against sin will not only be futile, it will itself be sinful. Because you'll be fighting against sin for some sinful reason. It won't be because you see it contrary to God, which is the essence of what sin is. It'll be for some other reason. You haven't seen God and His beauty and His goodness and holiness and truth, and so you're turning from sin towards God. If you're turning for any other reason than 
to turn from sin to God, you're turning from one idol to another. But for those who have drank from the well of Christ, if you want to grow in your capacity to see how sinful sin is, labor to see God and all of His glory and beauty and truth as revealed to us in the gospel of Christ, and then see sin as that which is opposed to all that He is. And when you do, may your greatest concern then be, not with some pathogen that you may never contract, but to fight that which we are all culpably plagued with at conception, sin. Meridian Church, I love you. Grace and peace.